A bombshell email shows that Joe Biden met with an executive at Burisma. And the source of this email, that's strange to say the least. And the left, they seem to be turning on Nancy Pelosi. And since Amy Coney Barrett uses the word preference, Democrats are now deeming it offensive. Uh, they must have forgotten all the times that they've used it. We've got that more and it's coming up right now. Welcome to the news on why it matters. I'm Hillary Kennedy. I'm filling in for Sarah Gonzalez. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. So joining me is Elijah Schaefer, the host of Slightly Offensive. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for being the host. This is a surprise. Well, I'm excited <laughs> to meet you too because your wife has been on a couple yeah. times the past few weeks. So now I get the other half. So it's nice to meet you finally in person too. Absolutely. And Jason Buttrell, the head writer and chief researcher for Glenn Beck. Glad you're back. Thank you. Thank you. We're really going to need your expertise on this next story. Um, <laughs> it <laughs> broke today and it's a crazy one. So a smoking gun email reveals how Hunter Biden Biden introduced a Ukrainian businessman to his vice president dad, a newly obtained email. It reveals that Joe Biden did meet with a top executive at Burisma, the Ukrainian natural gas company, when he was vice president and during his son Hunter Biden's tenure on the company's board. So the New York Post uh, reported this today. Jason, you're kind of our expert on all things Hunter Biden. Sadly, so yeah. can, you, can you break this story <laughs> down for us and kind of explain what's going on there? Yeah, so um, this is insane on a few different levels I'll, i'm gonna get i'm gonna get to i'll just start off with how the shadiness of of the story well i completely think that this is real and all this stuff is legit but the way it was obtained is very very strange and the have you guys read that part of the story so they got this laptop which was dropped off at a repair place um it was hunter biden's this person is unnamed and the person did never pay for the service and he never came back for the laptop but apparently the repairman was like, hey, I'm gonna take this to the FBI and I'm gonna also give a copy of it to Rudy Giuliani. Okay, uh, it's just very, very strange. So the it, only way that he, he knew it was Hunter Biden's or thought it belonged to someone in, in his camp was because it had a, like a Bo Biden sticker on the laptop? Yes, Okay. Um, exactly. So, I mean, to me, it, that sounds very, very weird. It sounds to me like it was stolen and I'm just get theorizing, but this person was tipped off and said, hey, you should give this to you know, the FBI, and you should also give a copy to, uh, to Rudy Giuliani. I don't know. But that, that's the only thing that's shady on this, in my opinion. The rest of it, like you said, the email is, um, yeah, it shows that Joe Biden lied when he, uh, uh, when he said that he never discussed his business dealings in Ukraine with Hunter. That's why there was no conflict of interest there. You know, they weren't conversing together. Um, but it also shows that, you know, um, there was another email that uh, the Burisma executives, <coughs> and I think it was the third in command he's talking to, uh, were looking to get political favors. They were saying, hey, what can you do about this? You know, this is going on. And then Hunter replied and said, well, who in the uh, Ukraine government has the most pool? You know, I mean, it, see, it, it looks very, very, very bad. And um, I pretty much know that there's a lot more of this that's going to be coming out in the very near, very near future, maybe the, even this week. Um, but it's being suppressed like crazy. Uh, Twitter today, you can't tweet the link. Uh, Facebook, they've taken it down. They are in panic mode over this story. So that's how you know it's pretty dang important. Well, it's, I think that what's making this so interesting is, you know, Joe Biden has said, I, I don't know anything about what Hunter's been doing. Yeah. I haven't had any interaction with anybody. But according to the post, the email said, Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving me an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. It's really an honor and a pleasure. Um, this meeting apparently happened about one year uh, after the gentleman who wrote the email asked Hunter Biden for advice on how he could use his influence to benefit 
Marisma. So, so the Biden campaign responded to this and they said that, you know, basically this isn't true. We looked all through the records and the meeting never happened. We're not we, the official records. I don't think this would go on the official records. Right. <laughs> They're trying to avoid a conflict of interest there. And there was it was well known within the State Department that they were, con, you know, conveying that to the Obama administration. There's a possible conflict of interest here. It does not look good, especially with corruption. And the Russians are going to take advantage of this. So they knew this would not be on right. the record like, at are all. Gonna be, are you going to be recording when you went to Epstein Island? And you're right. Latest, right. I mean, exactly. this is something when you're when you're pur purposely and intentionally engaging in shady activity. This is exactly what cover ups are about. Yep. But intent, like if you look at the intent here, I think what this shows you is that just like Joe Biden saying he's not going to share specifically his ideas on court packing till after the election, and then he's saying certain things didn't happen with his son in the past. There's extremely shady things going on within the Biden family that you know they are intentionally trying to withhold from the oh, public. Yeah. Not only because it would be a PR nightmare, but possibly because this looks like this is could be a t potentially illegal activity, right? That's going on here. But I, I think what's act what makes me laugh the most is that we're seeing the way that the tech companies are colluding to interfere with mm -hmm. the election because, you know, Facebook says, well, we're not going to, uh, you know, fact check people. We're going to leave it up to third parties so that we don't have bias, right? We don't want to be an overlord uh, over information. But they're directly stepping into the first and most recent bombshell that could make the Biden campaign look bad or even discredit Joe Biden's reputation on, on, on truthfulness. And they're coming and saying, we're, we're already going to suppress this and take this down. I'm thinking, if there was a picture of Donald Trump Jr. smoking crack cocaine like, I mean, literally, I mean, not, I, I don't even know where he was, seemed to be in a bed, uh, uh, Biden did, but when his son, but when you see that, you go, that would be on every single front page. That would be the top story that would be trending on Twitter. I mean, that's where you see the difference of the bias is that when something bad happens on the right, it becomes elevated, even if it's not even significant. But if something significant comes out on the left, it just becomes suppressed as if it's not even existent. Mm -hmm. and, and to your point, they said they weren't going to do their own fact checking. They were just going to have the third party fact checkers. And the, so they were like, there was a disconnect between the two. That, the, the, what was their Facebook guy tweeted today? Yeah. That, that they were going to wait until the third party pack fact checkers uh, looked into this. Then they, I guess, were going to let people see it. So it completely contradictory. The Twitter stuff, I mean, I, I didn't. I guess I should have, but I didn't expect Twitter to go as far as they did. Um, Remember the learn to code thing? I mean, that was weird too. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, made yeah. a hashtag that offended and hurt the feelings of journalists become something that could permanently suspend your account. I mean, sometimes they genuinely show the, the bias in the company in ways that I think it's actually just detrimental to them long term. They blocked the New York Post uh, actual <laughs> account. Um, you can't post that thing. They said that because they posted um, potentially hacked material. Now that's interesting. So I'm sure they also censored Edward Snowden's, everything from Edward Snowden, everything from Julia Assange, everything from WikiLeaks. Mm -hmm. uh, give me a break. No, it, of course they didn't. This is, yep. this is insane. Trump's tax records, right? Potentially stolen and, and illegal paperwork that you know no one can really verify and Trump says isn't even true. It's like, that became the national headline. Thank you, the, the MSNBC, that, that, guy, that dude was tweeting today. They're like, oh, no, no one should post this. This is stolen information, whatever, no one should post this. I thought the exact same thing, the, the tax return. <laughs> that Maddow was plastering mm -hmm. all over the place. Well, like Elijah, like you said, um, also located on the computer besides these emails, there were some personal family photos and then also some explicit photographs, I believe some video maybe too, of Hunter Biden. Do you think this story, especially since it is being suppressed, do you think it's going to affect Biden at all in the polls in any way? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> No, yeah. not really. I mean, I think everyone is firmly in their camp right now. I, no, I, okay, I'll caveat that. I, I do think there's a lot of independents out there that really care. So every time you see a poll, I don't really care if it's 
we polled these Democrats, see how they think about this, or we polled these Republicans, see what they think, because they're in their camps and they're pretty much solidified. But I'm really interested when they say we polled independents and this is, that's usually a lot more fair. So I think there's a huge fight right now for those independents, the people in the, the, the middle. And I think this actually could, you know, lead them to, you know, switch their vote. Well, uh, Senator Ron Johnson told Fox News uh, yesterday morning that, I'm sorry, I believe that was this morning, uh, that Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, that it is going to take up an investigation into whether former VP Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, uh, wielded Joe Biden's influence inappropriately in a business relationship between Hunter and Burisma. Um, he said the committee's first order of business will be investigating and verifying the emails that they have been in contact with individuals in the chain of possession. And they're already in the process of investigating Hunter and Joe Biden's complicated relationship with Ukraine. The current report, it doesn't focus on Joe Biden, but rather implicates the full Obama administration in allegedly underhanded dealings. What are your thoughts on this investigation? Do you think it's going to turn into anything? Is this all just lip service? This is this is the this is the one we we're talking about. This is not a separate investigation. So right? this is well, this yeah, this, this is, is from the Senate on these uh, new emails and right. Documents. So, it's the Senate Homeland Security okay. and Governmental Affairs Committee. So okay, so on this, like, we are just now finding out about this because the New York Post they got their hands on it. I think it was given to them by Bannon, I believe, mm -hmm. Steve Bannon. Um, but the FBI has had this for a while, right? So the FBI has had this. If it would have been damaging on Trump, it would have been leaked already a long time ago. As soon as the FBI would have gotten it, it would, it would have been leaked. Um, so the FBI has had this. They've been sitting on it. How does the Senate not already know about it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, if I don't want to say the words deep state, but come on, guys. Like, you have this, inf you have this information. The Durham probe is going on. Barr's doing, you know, Barr and Durham are doing their things. How has, how has no one else heard of this? Is the FBI, did they just put this in a vault and lock the door? Well, maybe it shows you the ethical standards of, of different people and partisanship that perhaps the, the right-wing people who happen to work in law enforcement truly acknowledge and respect justice, and they know that it would be, I guess, potentially hazardous to release information and, and scandalous on a somebody running for the president of the United States, and that it should really be fact-checked, and we should look at the legality, and especially if it was acquired unethically, and there's, you know, problems here. I mean, this should really thoroughly be investigated before it's leaked, but you see that the leftists, even if they work in the FBI, they're so uh, vicious and, and on the attack and looking for anything to, to take against Donald Trump that even when they work for the FBI, which you would expect them to have some sort of a respect for the institution, they're still going to cross their own their own institution and and release the information. But as you were saying about with like this hurting, you know, uh, Biden in the polls, I mean, Quite frankly, I, I don't I don't think that it will because most people who obtain information or are going to be voting for him are going to be getting it from networks that probably will not cover the story because it's it's a uh, we haven't fact checked it yet and by the time it's been fact checked it's irrelevant we don't need to talk about right. it this will happen on November fourth or whatever you know we'll finally we'll finally be able to talk about after this after the election yeah. yeah after everyone's voted and it's like and if it changes their mind and it continues um, then it will but I mean I, it looks like nothing can really hurt Biden now because if it does it's just not going to get any airtime you you do make a good point if we have not heard a single thing from the FBI or any other authority like that, it could mean it is an active investigation, mm -hmm. in which case they would not be able to say, say anything, anything about it. Um, regardless, if it was damaging on Trump, it would have gotten leaked. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I guess I'm, I find it so hard to believe that the Senate is only hearing about this now. 
Right. Well, that's just so hard. Yeah, and I don't want to be like this Hollywood movie stuff, but this could be how they're presenting it to the public. Like, I'm sure the Senate does not release all information of everything they've heard. Plus, sometimes I'm sure certain Senate, um, certain leaders in the Senate probably might know things. But to actually call a hearing is like maybe they were waiting for an investigation to be finished before calling the hearing or something like that. And then now that it's in the public, they have public pressure. Obviously, their constituents are at hand, and they have. This is a very partisan. I'm sure this investigation too. So. <laughs> probably waiting for October <laughs> yeah. for that little surprise. That's probably they were waiting. Just That's what I'm saying. That's why, like, and now, now we got it. And maybe this was the leak. Like you said, nobody leaked it. This could have been it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Well, so let's talk about their competing town halls that are going to be taking place uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Donald Trump <laughs> is going to participate in a town hall with NBC News. Joe Biden is going to be appearing in one with ABC News. Uh, both events are scheduled for the exact same time, which is 8 p.m. Eastern. So, good. so they were supposed to be <laughs> in a face-to-face debate. That got canceled when you know they decided to make it a virtual debate. Donald Trump said no way. I'm out. I'm not doing it. So now they've got these dueling town halls going on at the exact same time. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's hilarious because I, I'm sure Donald Trump just loved interrupting, you know, Biden during the last debate. This was the next best thing. You know, they can't be together, so he'll interrupt him by doing the ex <laughs> exact same time. What's funny is I heard that NBC uh, uh, employees are just absolutely furious with their network for doing for taking this. taking it up. Yeah. yeah, but of course they are. You know, they're political hacks. They're not. Now, do you think journals. the emails from today will come up during Biden's town hall? No, not def chance. definitely not. But I not do hope chance. that someone supercuts the two uh, events together to where every time Biden speaks that Trump interrupts him and says something more factual <laughs> yes. and better. Oh, I would appreciate it. If anybody's watching the show and you know your favorite meme maker or, or supercutter, <laughs> Such a good tell, idea. Them, tell them now to prepare to make that. <laughs> yeah. Such a good That's idea. A great idea. <laughs> All right, so we've got a lot more to talk about. We have to go to break first, but uh, first we want to thank our sponsor, Keeps. Because have you noticed that your hair, it isn't looking as full as it used to. What are you trying to say? I, I'm sorry, Jason. <laughs> right, I, I saw mean, you I, looking right at I, me. Why would you do that? I'm not saying it. You, you're such a handsome at guy. Least, at least you're not wearing a hat. What's <laughs> under <laughs> my hat? <Who> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but it is hard when you're losing your hair, right? I mean, you can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription, and then you can go and visit the pharmacy and try not to go broke just to avoid going bald or... You can try Keeps from the comfort of your lazy boy at home because you're going to get the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but Keeps offers the generic versions for about half the cost. And one more thing that you're going to love about Keeps, it's all online, so you just answer a few questions, you snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review all of your info and then recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. And then it's shipped directly to your door. So why make unnecessary trips to the doctor or the drugstore? And you can do it all at home. So let's get you started with a special deal. Go to keeps.com slash Y for 50% off your first order of Keeps hair loss treatments. That's keeps.com slash Y. Keeps.com slash Y. We'll be back in a minute. As it turns out, most Americans are blaming Nancy Pelosi for a failure to pass a coronavirus stimulus. So there was a survey that was done. 43% of voters say Pelosi's more to blame for the lack of progress on a stimulus package. 40% blame President Trump. But the interesting thing is 45% of self-identified independents said Pelosi is more responsible mm. for failure to reach a deal compared to 30% who said that it was Trump's fault. Um, so shortly after declaring all the negotiations dead, the president offered to sign a standalone bill providing Americans with another round of the $1,200 stimulus checks. And Pelosi rejected that and said, no, I, I don't think so. So then she got into a little... Um, conversation with Wolf Blitzer on CNN about it, and uh, it got a little contentious, so I want to show this clip. 
And it's not about me, it's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent, and who are we having represent trouble, them. And we represent them. Getting and by we represent these them. long food and lines we that we're seeing. I know we you know are. Them. I'm, I'm just we saying. We represent them and we know them. As we, we say, know them. We represent them. Don't let yes. the perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say. It is here nowhere in near perfect. Madam Speaker. Always the case, but we're not even close to the good. All right, let's see what happens because every day is critically, critically important. Thanks so much Thank for joining us. Thank you for your us. sensitivity to our constituents' needs. I am sensitive to them because I see them on the street begging for food, begging for money. Madam Speaker, thank Have you so you much. Have you fed them? We feed them. We feed them. All right, so why do you think Nancy Pelosi is holding off on taking the deal? She asked for $2.2 trillion. Uh, the president's offering $1.8 trillion. It would get $1,200 into the hands of the American people. Why do you think she's holding off on agreeing to a deal? I think everyone can see it. We've seen it from the very first stimulus package that uh, they tr they were trying to pass, which ultimately did pass, but all the, the extra ridiculous things that she put in there. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but every, every it was ridiculous. It had nothing to do with coronavirus at all. And she's still pulling this crap today. Um, what was it, like $2.2 trillion or right. something like that yep. for... Um, to bail out some of these progressive hell holes. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I just go, this, the numbers like that only come from the government. Where yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you, where do you get the money? Yeah. 2.2 trillion. <laughs> That's not like 2.2 dollars. Right. You know what I mean? Trillion. trillion. Absolutely insane. Um, yeah, I mean... I think that, and that's interesting that it's independent voters that are noticing this as well, because I, I almost guarantee you that Democrats think that it's Trump's fault, Republicans think that it's Nancy Pelosi's fault. Um, but I think sane people, you know, sane people, and there could be sane Democrats, you know, and I'm not saying there aren't, uh, but there's a lot of them. I think that they're like, what the heck? Like, why are you trying to fund, you know, some kind of museum that was in the original one, um, or opera house or whatever it was, mm -hmm. when we could get checks to people, you know, to businesses that have had to lay off all of their employees. I mean, come on. Where's your priorities here? Right. Yeah. I, you know, number one, I got to say this. I'm not a big fan of the government giving people money because to me, I always look at these as these are just like tax incentives or something like that, because really with the amount of money most Americans or hardworking Americans are paying to the government. We're really just getting back money. We've already given the government per se, but that's not even true for this statement. And you think about it because the government doesn't have any money uh, and they're borrowing money. And so we are paying such interest that I'm going, I'm surprised that either party somehow feels like they can give out money. And I wish the argument about stomping the checks was like a responsible one. I would have gotten uh, or, or received so much praise for the first time for Nancy. If she was like, hey, we need to be responsible as a government and stop spending money we don't have, cool. But now you see the real thing is that she just has become so egotistical and prideful and wants to put so many earmarks in these things that she just clearly doesn't care about, about the American people. And the reason why I'll, I'll note that, it's really, a, <laughs> it's really a sad day when CNN cares more for the American people than you. <laughs> you know that there's something wrong. Well, it's, that brings up a really good point, because twice in the past week, we've seen CNN give some pushback. Uh, Jake Tapper did it in a conversation um, 
and then Nancy Pelosi, of course, with Wolf Blitzer. Do you think that the mainstream media is kind of waking up a little bit? Because no, they're not wake. They're not waking up. It's there's a human element, right? Like I, I think I watched a car commercial for Chevrolet, and they were like, "Why do we build safety features in our cars? It's because we have families too," which is like a stupid thing to say because it's like whatever. But really, <laughs> like it's like CNN. Like why is CNN pushing back? It's like well, they are Americans as well, and as much as they want to push propaganda, and when things are at the higher level, then sure, I mean we can talk about you know Trump and get back at him. But I'm sure like Wolf and people have plenty of friends. Maybe they're, they're elitist. Maybe they own restaurants. Maybe they're you know on some sort of the upper class. But everyone knows somebody who's been seriously affected economically from the shutdowns, not from COVID, from the shutdowns from the government, from COVID. So the government has ruined the country, not the disease. Uh, and that being said, it's like, I'm sure Wolf and a lot of people are getting tired of this because you can read as much as you want the, the bogus headlines they put out, but these guys are actually very high IQ many times, very intelligent, came from great universities. And I'm sure they know that the truth is that this virus is not worth the shutdowns that we continue to see. And so I'm, I think that an average person is going to be getting very upset uh, for a number of reasons to where you're saying, Nancy, just cut it out. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, it's, a bi it's not bipartisan. It becomes a human concerted effort to like, you guys, we cannot keep destroying our country because eventually we're not even gonna have a network. Right. Well, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi, good grief. While we're on this conversation, a House Republican has introduced a resolution that calls for the removal of Nancy Pelosi. Because <laughs> she says she lacks the mental fitness for the job. And now she is 81. She's a career politician oh who served in the House for 33 years. <laughs> Um, of course, she's third in line for succession of the presidency. So she's, I mean, really two heartbeats away from being in the White House. Um, anyway, Representative Doug Collins uh, from Georgia, he, he just finds that unacceptable and says, it is clear that Nancy Pelosi does not have the mental fitness to serve as Speaker of the House of Representatives. I'm introducing a resolution to push for her removal. Do you think he has a valid reason to push for this? I don't know. She does seem a lot more crazy than she has in the past. What was that? What was that interview that she had not too long ago where she said, like, good morning, Sunday morning? It was, like, in response to, like, an actual question. And yes. she just, like, came out of nowhere. Like, it was like it just, I don't know. Like, she saw that on Sunday morning or Saturday morning cartoons and just, boom, did, right. did that. Um, you never been hungover? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, she's crazy for one because she's Nancy Pelosi. But uh, there does seem to be a kind of a Biden-esque, you know, mental deterioration. Uh, I think I, I think it's just funny now that it's the state of our politics right now. You know, it's like it's this tit for tat. Like, you know, we're going to do this to try to you know me, you know mess with the Twenty Fifth Amendment so you know we can get it a, you know easier to get it a president you know out of office and then the impeachment wars, which by the way I think have escalated. So I think that. We haven't seen the last of impeachment wars. That's going to continue on, you know, right. maybe in the next administration. Maybe you know, episode seven, episode, episode eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Disney's going to buy it, <laughs> yeah. and then take it downhill. Yeah. <laughs> we'll finally end on the ninth. Yeah. Well, in this resolution, uh, he did point out a couple of things, like uh, Pelosi's past actions of ripping up the State of the Union speech delivered by the president back in February. So bad. She did it like right in front of all the American people, and then he also noted her visiting that hair salon in San Francisco where she got that blowout and, and wasn't wearing her mask, even though she told everyone, you know, you have to have a mask on at all times and then blamed the salon over for setting her up and all of that stuff. I so. like this, though. I, I'm telling you this. A lot of people that are more civil and, and are not a, as much of a degenerate as I am would, would, <laughs> would, would get very disturbed by the way politics are today. But, you know, remember, like, it was just... Just, I mean, think about it. This is decades, centuries, sure, but where people in, in Congress stuff were shooting each other and beating each other with canes. And I mean, this is the kind of stuff where I'm like, 
maybe we need to get back to that because <laughs> because the country at least progressed, you know, when <laughs> when people when people took it a little more seriously. I'm not calling for violence. I'm just saying like <laughs> at least now we can see a clearer picture of who's really a good guy and who's a bad guy. And I like that. It's not like this whole idea where you you know when you have Romney and Obama running and you go you can't tell the difference between who's really a democrat, who's a republican. They're like the same person. At least right now when you see Biden and Trump it's like yeah, you might think that's crazy options, but at least you know what your options are really presenting, right? I mean, Joe Biden doesn't know where he is, and Trump knows where he's going to take America. Like, I mean, yeah. this is a clear stance. So with Nancy Pelosi being crazy and unhinged, I mean, it is scary <laughs> that she could be the president. When you said two heartbeats away from, I thought you were going to say something much more sinister. But I forgot Blaze TV is a respectable, <laughs> it's a respectable show on the network. Um, but I was going to say that, like, yeah, I mean, but hey, I mean, the government is full of a lot of crazies. At least she's honest enough to show it. Right. That's, that's crazy. As you, before, you could not really tell because the politicians were a lot better at being politicians. Yeah. Um, it's so much easier to respect Bernie Sanders than it is, I don't know, like Chuck Schumer or, you know, or, or Nancy Pelosi even. Uh, because I think that they would do anything at all. They would, I think they would sell their kids if they could, if it gave them points you know, or gave them leverage. Um, but they won't let that, let that out in the open. Bernie Sanders just lays it all out in the open. At least we know what he stands for. Right. You know what I mean? You know what Trump stands for. You know yeah, what AOC, exactly I love AOC. I was, I'm like, you know where she stands. I, yeah, I love when she's like, we need to ban all like airplanes. I'm going, hey, you know what? You said it. You're, you sound like an idiot, but you said it. Like, at least I couldn't, you couldn't pay me to stand up there and say something like that. You probably would have to believe it in order to say it. And she probably does. And so it's like, these kind of people are insane. And I think it's giving clear thinking Americans. That's where I think the, the right wing is slowly just becoming a conglomerate of individuals who apply their lives to common sense and critical thinking. And that's all it's become now. She yeah. finally had the guts to talk about the danger of cow farts. And <laughs> finally someone said it. You know what I mean? Like finally this, someone said it out. In like a southern accent or something. Like she, some new accent she made up. I don't know. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, we do like when we know what we're getting. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk about what you may not have expected from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. We have all that. We come right back. <laughs> Things are just getting ridiculous with the dictionary. <laughs> just, you used to, you used to know what you were getting with the dictionary. Well, it is so 2020 to think about the Merriam-Webster Dictionary getting heavily involved in politics in some way. This is such a bizarre story to me. So suddenly after Judge Amy Coney Barrett used the term sexual preference in her confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court on Tuesday, Democrats started slamming her for using that term. And then Merriam-Webster declared the term preference could be offensive. So Steve Krakauer, the executive producer of Megyn Kelly's podcast, he noticed as recently as last month, Webster's Dictionary included a definition of preference as orientation or sexual preference. Today, when that happened, they changed it and added the word offensive. So Democrats must have forgotten how often they've actually used this word. Uh, the Washington Free Beacon put together a montage showing how often they've used it. Let's listen to this. <laughs> you use the term sexual preference to describe those in the LGBTQ community. And let me make clear, sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. But this time bring everybody along, regardless of color, sexual preference. Based on whatever color, whatever, what their sexual preference might be. By race, by age, 
my sexual preference. Doesn't matter what your sexual preference is. What their sexual preference is. Never in the course of her military career had anything about her sexual preference had any impact. Based upon race, color, or preference, or sexual preference. I don't think that you use the term sexual pre preference as just, uh, I don't think it was an accident. Our society <laughs> has come to respect uh, people, um, whatever their sexual preference. So that's, <laughs> that's the best one right there. Yeah. It's like, got him. <laughs> right there at the end, yeah. <clears throat> well, so this isn't the first time that Webster's Dictionary has responded to pressure to change a listing in their text. Um, after a 22-year-old woman made a complaint about the definition of the word racism, the dictionary said it would change its text to include a broad and more systemic understanding of the term. Okay, first of all, have either of you ever heard that the word preference is offensive before I today? This. I gotta see this nope. myself. Oh, you're gonna look it up? <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Uh, welcome to 1984. You know what I mean? They can they can change the meaning of words if they want to. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. We were talking in the break. You know, like societal whims don't change words. They they, they just don't. Um, this is ridiculous. But what's even more ridiculous? I I was starting to rage on Twitter on this because I was watching this go down, and how they're trying to make it seem like Amy Coney Barrett because she's conservative hates gay people. And that, that is the most ridiculous smear from the left. I cannot believe it worked. Absolutely insane. And Republicans, shame on you for letting them do that to you. How did, I, if I was a senator, I would have I would have just point blank when it was my turn to, to ask her a question. I, I would have said, look, the question is, as, as we're Republicans, but as per the Constitution and per the law of the land, does, should government have anything to do with marriage at all? Okay, now that is the conservative stance. <laughs> yeah. That is the conservative stance. If they would have done that 20 years ago, there, there would be no narrative that they could throw at us that conservatives hate gay people. It's absolutely ridiculous. Of course conservatives want the least amount of government involved in our lives. That's, that's why we're conservative. Um, that includes marriage. Obviously, mm -hmm. we don't care who you marry. You know, we're not going to step in, into anything. But that also includes small businesses. You know, hey, we're not going to tell them what they can or can't do or who they can or can't serve. Uh, that also can, uh, goes towards uh, religious institutions. We're, we're not going to enforce our will on them. There's, you know, there's a constitutional protection for them. Right. Uh, but conservatives are always forcing to play in their game. And I'm so tired of it. And they never take the initiative. Sorry, I'm preaching, but I'm just pissed off at it. It's true, though. I, you know, I think... The best part about all of this is dictionary.com is now everyone's preferred choice for uh, the dictionary <laughs> because they still haven't changed it. But I will say this, that the preference too, I, I pointed out to an MSNBC uh, journalist or I guess producer, I said, you know, when it comes to sexual preference, I go, that's a very vague word. I go, because I thought, and, I, and this is, people that don't watch my show don't know that I spend a lot of, too much time in very far extreme left circles of, of the internet, is that sexual preference is actually the more correct term according to the current narratives of social justice warriors and, and radical left-wing people, and this is why. Because there's this constant uh, ideology about sexual fluidity, um, that it's just like autism and people say it's a spectrum, we're all on it, right? There's a move as progress to say, you are not defined by your sexual choices, right? There's, that's the idea with rape culture too, of saying like, you are not defined by that. Um, and then they go also, remember, even if you were married and you were in a straight relationship, maybe you felt straight until you were 40, but now you prefer the same sex. You have the right to do that. You do not owe allegiance to anyone. And on top 
of that, I'll bring this out. We have this new thing in our culture called the Bisexual uh, like Awareness Week or Bisexual Pride Week. Everything has a week, right? Um, and one thing that I know when I was making an episode on that and I was researching a lot of this push, um, there's a lot of push in our culture right now to um, decri like decriminalize socially bisexuality, right? They go, oh, there, you know, you can be bisexual and you can, you know, date the opposite sex or the same sex and this and that. And one thing I noticed in their rhetoric the whole time is sometimes your preference changes. Sexual preference is fluid. And in, these are from out and different organizations that are about uh, pink news. These are gay organizations that are about pushing uh, uh, they're, they're sex positive, LGBTQ positive agenda, and they use the idea constantly as an, a positive term of changing what you prefer as being a sense of empowerment. And so in fact, I wanna give it to uh, Amy and say, good on you for being the most progressive person in that room and not being an elitist establishment Democrat who's out of touch with the radical progressive culture. <laughs> I'm so glad that she spends time in the weird corners of Instagram uh, watching these AJ Plus videos that are like propaganda because really, truly, if we talk about sexuality, I'll, I'll, I'll just end with this. There's a gay journalist named Andy No who um, I'm hosting right now at my home and we, we're working on some projects together. And uh, he said, he heard the comments and he goes, sexual preference. He's from Portland, by the way, too. Um, so they go beyond sexual preference. They go into things you've never, no one would prefer. Uh, <laughs> he says, yeah, that's very in line with Portland culture, like progressive culture. We use sexual preference all the time to define this. And you're going, that's a gay man. I'm gonna take his word from a very gay city, uh, Portland, to then this woman from Hawaii who, quite frankly has, I don't know what her problem is, but she's always smoking something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like they're trying to get anything they possibly can on her, and they just haven't had much success. I know we don't have very much time. I just want to play one clip really quickly of her responding to the attacks that she's received on her having uh, children of color. All right, I, I'm, I'm going to finish this housekeeping because I want to talk about the law. I want to give you a chance to respond to something. Theatrics. Some butthead professor at Boston University says that because you and your husband have two children of color, that you're a white colonist. The implication is that you're a racist and that you use your two children as props. Do you use your children as props? Senator Kenny, it was the risk of people saying things like that, which would be so hurtful to my family, that when I told Senator Graham this morning that my husband and I had to really weigh the costs of this, it was saying deeply offensive and hurtful things, things that are not only hurtful to me, but are hurtful to my children, who are my children, who we love, and who we brought brought home and made part of our family, and accusations like that are cruel all right, so just real quickly before we have to go to break, how do you think she's doing so far handling some of these? I mean, they're, they're tossing stuff at her left and right. How do you think she's doing? I think she's it? killing it. Yeah. She, she hasn't responded to questions she shouldn't respond to, and she's been right on the money recalling everything. She's been pretty impressive. She's sober, and she has that ahead of a, at least Nancy, <laughs> Nancy there. She's definitely sober-minded, and you can see it kind of makes you actually wonder if making good choices your entire life and following your faith might actually create and make you a balanced person. I don't know, food yeah, for thought? Might pay off. <laughs> All right, so we got to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Day of Rage in Portland. I definitely want to get your take on this. The Day of Rage, oh yeah. We got some good stuff.
Well, I feel like every every day, every week, we have a new story about something else going on in Portland that is out of control. And Portland had a day of rage uh, protests, which happened on Monday. Uh, it just rampaged through the city, targeting statues of controversial historical figures like Abraham Lincoln and Theodore Roosevelt. Um, it began with a group looking to decolonize society and abolish colonial systems uh, that promote racism, according to them. And we've got a clip of the protesters tearing down the Roosevelt statue. <laughs> So these groups, I mean, they have a pretty clear call to action on social media, but law enforcement and, and Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, they say the people who are, are committing these acts of violence and destruction that they may be hard to identify and to arrest. Even the people who broke into the Oregon Historical Museum and they stole a priceless artifact. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You've been involved in these riots and these protests and been like right in the thick of it. Do you I was just think there, yeah. I, I, I was literally just there and I'll tell you about this. Do you know why you didn't see that statue fall? Because they, meaning Antifa, this, this event was planned for multiple days. Um, the police knew about it, uh, the city knew about it, and they didn't do anything to stop it. This was first, number one, allowed by the city to occur. Number two, the press, including actual mainstream publications, were complicit with it who were there because Antifa set out rules that you could not film the actual toppling of the statues and you couldn't film the people doing it, which is why the angle looks the way it does. Um, so, and there is an, uh, even someone who does bylines for the New York Times that was there, Sergio Omos, and he abided by Antifa's rules for press. So that's very problematic. Uh, he has over 100,000 followers on Twitter, and he um, is, you know, working for the local publication for in Portland. Um, this is this is the kind of people that I'm talking about that are working with Antifa to tell a different narrative. Even on top of that, that was a car in a public park that they brought in to topple it. They were pulling it down, and this happened for quite a while. It was very difficult to remove, and police could have showed up. The location was known, and things were being live-streamed, and they didn't intervene. Um, but, but most importantly, so you see this is like systemic from the top down. This is being <coughs> permitted, um, but it gets even worse because a congressional candidate named Amanda Sieb, I think I pronounced her name right, uh, verified on Twitter, uh, admitted to participating in this online um, and to being a part of this, tearing down the statues. Not suspended on Twitter, not, no action taken, not even temporary, uh, no legal action taken. Um, and she is, this is the point, these people are getting into office. Um, they are moving into this, in, into office. And I'll end with this, we know who they are. They admitted online of who's involved in this. It's not hard to identify them. They purposely don't interact. But we are in a worse position because the woman, Sarah Inaroni, running for uh, mayor, that famously said, famously said, I am Antifa, has been seen wearing skirts with genocidal and homicidal dictators like Mao Zedong and glorifying them, which Andy Ngo on my podcast that just came out today said that's like a right winger wearing Hitler on their right. dress. Like, what the heck? She's 11 points ahead of the current mayor. So Antifa Gosh. very, very, very possibly uh, will become the mayor of Portland that's why this happened. Well, and it's not just in Portland. I, and I'm really glad to hear your detail of it because that's so shocking that, I mean, everybody knows what's going on and nothing's being done. Well, it's not just in Portland now. It's in Santa Fe, New Mexico. <laughs> this also happened where demonstrators tore down an obelisk in downtown an Santa obelisk? Fe. Yeah. Oh, uh, the monument's been in Santa Fe Plaza since 1868. Uh, we've got a clip of that as well. Uh, 
This was a, a monument paying homage to Union veterans. Um, it was dedicated also to the heroes who have fallen in the various battles with savage Indians in the territory of New Mexico. The word savage has been chiseled off. Why? What are your thoughts of them, about them tearing <laughs> down laughing. to a Union Veterans funny. Memorial? It's not funny, but it is funny because this is madness. It's like a video game, and that's why they're against colonization. That's why people say, oh, why did they tear down a, a, a Lincoln statue? This is against colonial history. So they believe about erasing colonial history, similar to what the Spanish did uh, to Filipino history, where they kind of came in, and now the Philippines have become so much like Hispanic culture, even with, you know, with just so much, so similar in so many ways, even in religion and everything. They're essentially trying to deconstruct the entire culture and society. And so that's why they're attacking museums, which, by the way are mostly curated by very liberal and progressive people if you find out and have very skewed perspectives on history they need they want to erase this and, and and inspire people to a revolution and that's what this is what they want to do Keith Oberman was on air just talking about how we need to prosecute Trump supporters prosecute Trump and we need to remove them from society and this is what this is that revolution and you guys worked on the, the whole color revolution uh, mm -hmm. specials amazing work Fantastic, by the way. Yeah. But they want to erase history, and they want to establish this new order that I don't think they're ever going to acquire, because I think the new world order would be established before theirs. Yeah, my, my first thought is just to laugh and say, <laughs> uh, what were you expecting to solve with this? Like, oh, yeah, there you solved it, whatever problem. You know, when it came down, it's mm -hmm. all done. Go, you know, pack out the bags. Um, the problem is, is, yeah, I agree with Elijah, is I think that you got to ask, what are they looking, what is the follow-up to this? Mm -hmm. What are they looking for, at, you know, d d d for the next steps? What are you setting up here? Like, are you building something? Are you trying to push people into doing something? Um, like a lot of this, a lot of the stuff with the, I don't, I don't know, you probably know a lot more about this, but um, like all the, all the, when they're tearing down statues in places like uh, in, in Portland and on, on the West Coast, and then you look at like the, like the Cascadia secession movement, and uh, have you ever heard about that? No, I, I, you are a much brighter person than I am. The, the, <laughs> the, that, that is nuts because, so a, that kind of, a, it, it's, it's Oregon, it's parts of Northern California, it's, it's that little area. There's actually a secession movement over there. Um, and uh, they're, they're serious. They, they, they actually want to secede from the Union. It started with, uh, I, th I think it was like a, a bunch of like Native American type of, you know, like, kind of like the one in, in New Mexico there. But then it's expanded to environmentalists and a lot of environmental uh, groups, a lot of like hardcore, uh, like let's go shut stuff down type of environmental groups, that type of people. Um, and then you start seeing stuff like when, uh, like what we po pointed out in that show in the Transition Integrity Project, they actually name Cascadia by name. They say uh, using leverage during the election to help to say, hey, Cascadia, they say Cascadia will, sh will split apart from the union. Uh, California will split into two or three different states, um, as well as making new states in D.C. and Puerto Rico. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm using all this as an example to say there is a, there is a plan here. Th mm -hmm. There is a method here. And whether it's just to use all that as a threat to get what they want or to eventually try and get that regardless. So either way you look at it, they want the fundamental right. transformation of the country. Gosh, it's crazy. It is crazy. All right, we've got to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our question of the day. Stick around.
right, so yesterday we asked you, what do you like least about Kamala Harris? Her laugh, her prosecutorial record, her policies, her plans. You said her policies at 42%. And then today, our question is, who's given the most ridiculous performance at Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearing so far? Was it Amy Klobuchar, Maisie Hirono, Cory Booker, or Sheldon Whitehouse? Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's hard her, to choose, right? It's hard to choose between Hirono. Uh, Klobuchar was very, oh gosh, that, they tie to me, Klobuchar and Hirono. <laughs> I just have to say that Cory Booker is one of the most unlikable people oh, in gosh. the United States. <laughs> oh my gosh. And every time he talks, I'm just counting the seconds until it ends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if people want to follow you guys, find out more about you, where can they go? At Jason Butchel, Twitter. Perfect. Go to blazetv.com slash Elijah. Thank you guys for being here. This was so much fun. Thanks. Well, that's because how long have you known Andy? Andy and I became friends. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.